Romeo Jake will often be alone. Like, <laughs> and I'm just like crying in my car. It's been good. But <laughs> hey, what's up, guys? You are listening to your favorite podcast that you didn't even know about. Lightning Rounds. We talk about culture, we talk about life, we talk about the Bible. This podcast is so much fun. We've been doing this for a number of years. We have so much joy doing this. It's it, and, and the cool thing about it, like if you've been listening for a long time, or maybe you're new and you don't know what this is all about, you get to send in questions to us and uh, we get to respond to those questions. Um, and uh, we're... We're not saying that we're adequate to respond, but hey, you're listening, so that matters. Uh, I mean, we mean something to you, whether or not you do know who we are. <laughs> so, um, but why don't we uh, introduce ourselves? Uh, my name is Zach, and I am a worship pastor out here in Texas, northern Austin region. My name's Hollow. I am a photographer. It's so lame on this podcast. I take pictures, even though this is audio. Um, <laughs> I'm also a worship leader, um, just not ordained. You know me, the great Dane himself. <clears throat> to my our right. jester. He's our jester. <laughs> the cool jester. <laughs> no. <laughs> Coming to you from San Juan Capistran. And I am Andrew, and I am a... And- <laughs> I'm a children's ministry pastor. <laughs> I'm, no, don't be I'm too assi- excited. Okay, don't be, don't sound too excited. sorry. I'm an assistant pastor here in Southern California, and I also live here in San Juan Capistrano. Assistant or associate? I'm gonna go associate because it sounds cooler. Assistant, assistant. to the regional. Assistant to the regional um, regional children's ministry director. Yeah. Assistant pastor. Associate. 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 Yeah, that's me. Praise God. Hey, uh, we're really excited for today's episode. You know, um, before we kind of get into our segment and everything, we're going to talk about a, uh, a question that was sent in a while ago. Um, but I, I just kind of have a little fun question to ask you guys. There's no right or wrong answer to this one. This is more just like, what's your preference in these things? Um, but what is your, what would you say is like your favorite style of music to listen to? Ooh. What, what just gets it going? Dude, Hollow, do you listen to music? Sometimes. <laughs> That's Sometimes. right. Hollow does it. He's a robot. <laughs> <laughs> You know what actually I've been listening to is... Or it doesn't have to be your favorite, yeah. I think my favorite right now is modern day punk covers of old and current songs. Huh. Yeah, like Taylor Swift gone punk. Oh, so like Pop Goes Punk? Yeah, yeah. Like I've been blasting it in my little my little car truck. <laughs> Send me an angel. And like, oh, <laughs> dude, so good. <clears throat> Romeo Jake will often be alone. <laughs> and I'm just like crying in my car. It's been good, but <laughs> that might be our cold open right there. That was pretty good. <laughs> oh my god, that's cool. Yeah, punk. 
Oh man, punk I just mean, gets it. It does, dude. I was listening to MXPX the other day, this past week. Oh, and it was just, it was yes. just. Ah, oh, there's just something about just wanting to just run in circles and punch things and just like, <laughs> yeah, skate and cry and cry. <laughs> That's great. What about you, Andrew? Not it doesn't have to be your favorite music genre, but what's a what's a a music style that you've really been enjoying lately? Uh, EDM trap music. Um, <laughs> joke. No, I'm just kidding. I don't even know what that is. I just saw it on Spotify. Um, so I just said it out loud. But I've been listening. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. And I don't appreciate it. But I've been listening to country music a lot. Oh, yeah. What? Dude. But like, but like old, like Willie Nelson. Yeah. Little Ty- Tyler Childress. That kind of like Kentucky mm. backwoods stuff. Tyler Childers? Yeah, whatever his name is. Child Childress? Child Childress? <laughs> nope. Not that one. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I've been enjoying the, the country songs. Mm. Way of the Triune God? Yes. Can I take my yeah. hounds to heaven? Exactly. Those, that, that stuff's been really uh, blessing my heart lately. A lot of whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> In the songs, songs or while you're listening? <laughs> just like a lot of ode ode to whiskeys. Yeah. Like a lot of guys are just singing songs. Whiskey business? <laughs> whiskey business. <laughs> you could say it's whiskey business. <laughs> anyway, that's uh, what I listen to. And EDM oh, trap. And Alex Melton. That's who it is. Alex Melton is the punk goes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Amazing stuff. Listen to him right now. And leave a review, but put my name in there. Didn't Zach send us one? Was that yeah. yeah. Zach was like, he's also a worship leader. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's not a worship leader. Oh, never I mind. don't even think he's a Christian. He was making mm. fun of, like, what if a secular song sounded like it was sung in a church, like a worship song. Oh, And so he was mind. taking secular songs and making them sound like, give them, like, that worship style of, like, just... That you know, America's build, worship leader build on the bridge, and then bit, you know, like in Tom Grooves, and just that's what he was doing. It's pretty funny. Oh, that's good stuff. In the key of G. In the key of G, <laughs> capo three, <laughs> B flat. Nice. Yeah, dude, just three yeah. chords and the truth. Come on. Oh, dude, all day. Well, Zach, what about you? You haven't, you haven't shorn. Yeah, shorn. me. Yeah, that's good. Shorn um, your sheep. Oh man. <laughs> shorn. Oh, dude, I listen to so many different, it like, it depends on, I don't know about you guys, but like, I'm weird or like, it depends on the time of the day as to like what style of music (laughs) I'm listening to. Am I, am I alone on that? Yep. Okay, cool. There's someone listening. Maybe I shouldn't go deeper on that. Me too. Maybe I shouldn't go. No, continue. Should I? Okay, I'm going to go a little bit deeper. Just because we're different doesn't mean we stop. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, like, I don't know why, but like, if it's early in the morning, um... I usually listen to a lot of lo-fi early in the morning because it's okay. like not words. It's just like smooth instrumental beats. Okay. Call me weird, but I, sometimes I like listening to sermons with lo-fi in the background. I used to do a little series called Chuck Smith Lo-Fi. If you heard of it, <laughs> then uh, shout out to you. But I used to listen to Chucky. Not any other great teachers that you like to listen to early uh, in the morning? No, any? Just, nope. No, nope, no, nope, okay. not at all. <laughs> Sure. All right. <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's. I mean, Sponsors. this is music styles, not. Uh, oh, okay. Not denominational styles here that we're talking about, but. <laughs> um. Yeah. I, so I like listening to lo-fi in the morning, 
usually when I'm working on my, when I got stuff I need to get done on my computer, I'm usually listening to like, uh, like very progressive, almost like new wave eighties. You know how like, there's like, there's like a lot, like, like the eighties is kind of like, kind of like had like a comeback in like music genre lately. Mm. There's like a lot of bands that like just write with that. Just, and then worship finds its way somewhere in there. I mean, <laughs> is that a style of music? Yeah, I, sure. Maybe CCM finds its I way in. Like, I feel like it was an attitude, really. Mm. Yeah. It's more of an attitude. I, it's, a an attitude. it's a posture of the heart. Posture. Posture. Usually on my drive homes, you know, in the evenings. Last night I had a, a worship rehearsal, and so I usually will listen to uh, Boney Vare on my drives home at night, and it's where I weep and I cry. <laughs> and I <laughs> full trying to decipher what he's saying. Winter a leaf in a chocolate ball. Your hair in my cheek is on the star. Um, yeah. So, and then, uh, and then, and then, usually when I'm home and the kids are asleep, me and Emma really enjoy listening to old jazz. And we'll just have it playing on in the background while we're like cooking or eating. Um, mm. So that's uh, wow. And then country. I mean, country finds its way in every aspect of it because my wife loves country, and I kind of. And you live in Texas. That. I got roped into that one. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, that's sweet. Thanks for sharing yeah. that. That's a little mini seg right there. A little mini segment. Um, But the next segment, we're going to open up our time today on a segment that I called, What Am I Reading? Kind of has a little bit to do with our question. This is a little tease into what our question of uh, the day is. But what I'm going to do for you guys, okay, this is kind of like a little bit of like a, a game for y'all because I know the uh, answers, obviously. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to list book titles to you. And your okay. job, Hollow, the, the Inquisitor, Hollow, and Andrew, the um, Conqueror, the Destroyer, um, so I was trying to think of like funny names for you guys. You guys just have to figure out, is this a science fiction book? Is this a historical biography? Is this a self-help book? Is this Ooh. a children's book? Is this true crime? Is this uh, nonfiction, you know, um, poetry, all that fun stuff? What do you guys oh, think? Man, this is going to be hard. Some of these are funny. Some of okay. these are cool. That's it. Yeah? I, I feel like it's going to be a go. great challenge. Okay, all right, all right, okay. Challenge. All right, here we go. So this one's called What Am I Reading? Okay, okay first book. The first. title is Me. <laughs> Horror. That, that is the title. Horror. Ooh. <laughs> that sounds terrifying. Wow. Just the word me, and you just see, like, these little eyes peeking out from your bed or something. Ooh. It's got the chills. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. What about you? What do you think, Andrew? What's your What's your guess? I'm gonna go with uh, uh, 
uh, spiritual discovery genre. <laughs> <laughs> what does that even mean? Spiritual to discover, discovery. Like, to discover who you really are. Oh, okay, so like self, that would that be self-help? Oh, that's what I meant, self-help. Self-help yeah. spiritually. Spirit- spiritual. I kiss dating goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> whoa, whoa. <laughs> Triggers. Too soon. We grew up in the purity culture. Okay, let's not go. Let's let's, let's have some PTSD from there. Um, Everyone, everyone, kissed dating me goodbye. Yeah. (laughs) High school. (laughs) I was like, hey. (laughs) Okay, Uh, so the book entitled "Me" is an autobiography. Come on, guys, it's an autobiography. That makes okay. This makes perfect sense. It's hidden in plain sight. Right there. Didn't it sound kind of scary, though? It does sound scary, though. It does sound scary. You kind of like a little, yeah. Me. Okay, next one. Next one. All about me. This next book is entitled Absalom, Absalom. I think it's a children's book. Ooh. I'm going children's. Is there like an excerpt from the book that we could hear? Or is it just the title? Do you want me to read you an expert? I can find one. No, that's okay. That's okay. I'm going to go children's book. I'm going to say how to cut your hair book. <laughs> <laughs> so it's self-help. It's a barber book. It's a book on... It's a hair salon book. <laughs> how to not get your hair tangled in a tree and die. <laughs> so self-help. Self, self-help. <laughs> Haircuts for dummies. <laughs> Absalom, Absalom. Absalom, Absalom. All right. Well, uh, Absalom, Absalom, the genre of book is historical fiction. Oh, man. Historical mm. fiction. Yeah. Pretty crazy. Set in the Civil War era. So it's not. Oh, that children. sounds, yeah. Absalom, Absalom. Sounds like there'd be an Absalom who's like a lion. He's a friendly lion, but I'm scared <laughs> him because of his big teeth. And he's like, no, I'm friendly. And give me a hug. And they're like, no, Absalom, Absalom. Let's write a book like that. <laughs> Dude, you the should be... first lightning rounds published work. I think, we should, I think you should write children's books, Andrew. Your calling is not a children's pastor, but a children's author. Ah, yes. Oh, dude. I'm here to sell stuff to kids. <laughs> <laughs> Buy my book. I don't know. The cool thing about know. being a children's author is that you don't have to deal with kids. Oh. You just get to <laughs> oh, yeah, make money right. off of them. <laughs> Ah, yes. Ah, children. <laughs> you must really love children. Nope. I just love their wallets. Yeah, their parents' wallets. <laughs> yeah, that's messed okay. up. Okay. Okay, next one is In Cold Blood. Oh, children's book. No, I'm just <laughs> Pop-up Dude, that's children's mur- book. Yeah, pop children's book. <laughs> Illustrated by, um, I think it's a murder mystery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. I was saying the same thing. I was gonna say true crime, but that's not a good. True crime always has like, I don't know, less of a fanciful name than that. Yeah. I think it's a fictional murder mystery. Man, these are all good guesses. It, it is a true crime though. Oh, oh, true crime. You guys would have been right. Yeah, that one's pretty hard though, because it's just in cold blood. Like it doesn't have more of a descriptive title. It's just uh, I feel like you're giving it away. You're giving the book away in cold blood. It's like, oh, I think someone got killed in cold blood. Well, yeah. It's also in the murder, true crime genre murder. area of the store. I love when Jim Gaffigan says murder. 
I used to watch Dateline, but then they took a hard line towards murder. <laughs> Everyone just got murdered. <laughs> murder. All right, we got a couple more. A couple more. Next one. Okay. Next book. What am I reading? The title of this book is How to Avoid Huge Ships. <laughs> and um, it has it has an it has a it has a subheading title too. Um, okay. and, it, and it says, I never met a ship I liked. Wow. Oh, is this like a friendship book? Is it all about friendship? Oh, wow. Is this a like self-help friendship book? That's my guess. Yeah. It's a kid's book. <laughs> all right. Is that locked <laughs> I, in? I, just, I have to say something different than Andrew. Yeah. Is it a documentary? It is a self-help book. Talking. Oh, dude, your first right answer. Oh, yes. no, you got the other one, too. How? What's oh, no, it about? Is it about friendships? Um, No, I think it's I think it's by actual sailor, like on how to sail a ship. Ah. <laughs> oh, wow. So it's a how-to. <laughs> it's a how-to. It's a how-to. All right, all right. We got three more. Three more, okay? You guys got three yep. more in you? Yep. Okay. This next one. Do androids dream of electric sheep? <laughs> Fiction. That uh sci-fi. Sci-fi. The correct sci-fi. answer is science fiction. Wow, you're yeah, on this. Good dude. job. You know what's actually interesting Thanks, about guys. that book? Um that book would be would 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 be the basis of the movie Blade Runner. It was based Ooh. off of that book. Yeah. Oh wow. Oh wow. Oh wow. wow. I love that. Wow. Blade Runner. Blade Runner. Oh, yeah. All right, last two. This book is entitled, All My Friends Are Dead. Oh, I have that book. (laughs) And I have the sequel, All My Friends Are Still Dead. (laughs) What is it, Hollow? (laughs) It's a children's book with a dinosaur on it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I I legit have it on this shelf right here. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. I thought you were joking this whole time. No, I actually have it. Oh, I have that. Oh, that's great. You have can you get it right there? Can you grab it right now? Uh, I'll look for it. Well, okay, you don't have to know. I thought it was like right okay. in front of you. I'll I'll post a picture later. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's funny. Yeah, oh that's a it's a it's a kid's book. It's got a little bit of dark humor on it, but it's a it's a kid's book. Just a little. Just yeah, a just a little, I'd say. Many of my friends are still dead. That was like a civil war, a civil war reenactment or like recountment. Anyway, no, it's a kids book. Cute. Read it to my children every night. <laughs> every night. All my friends are dead. Okay, last one. Last. Uh, what am I reading? This book is entitled "Surprised by Joy." Uh, is it a cookbook? Oh, I'm gonna go cookbook. Surprised by joy. Um, I'm gonna say like a woman's devo. <laughs> <laughs> and our new book, Surprised by Joy, with a book signing this Sunday after church. <laughs> Come meet Joy. <laughs> All right. Well, that this book is an autobiography. Dang it. Yeah, it's actually it's actually if you've heard the title before, it's an autobiography. Um, of C.S. Lewis. Oh, yeah, wow. He wrote his, his own biography. Somehow you snuck C.S. Lewis. I did. Oh, I had to. Yeah. I had to. <laughs> well, um, I got one for you, Zach. Give it to me. The Book of Psalms. <laughs> the Bible. <laughs> Wrong fiction. Wait, poetry. No. <laughs> Science fiction. <laughs>
All right. Well, hey, that's our segment. What am I reading? You know that that segment uh, plays into our question, our question today. Uh, listeners send in a question, guys, and our question of the day, sent in by one of you, is: What are the literary genres that exist in biblical writing? Boom! So today we're talking about literary genres that are found in the Bible. In the Bible, oh, Andrew, man. did you know you're you're really you're shaking right now because I'm gonna ask you a question. I am, and I don't know what you're gonna ask me. <laughs> like, Andrew, did you know that there's multiple genres found in the Bible? Oh, yes, I did. I just found out <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> do you care if I share this with you? <laughs> no, please do. That's fascinating. <laughs> I feel like our listeners are the ones that are paying for our education because they're forcing us <laughs> to study these topics. <laughs> like, yeah, well, I'm a I'm an expert in genres. I did a podcast on it. Yeah, see my podcast uh, for those answers. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, but so we're we're talking about uh, genres that are found in the Bible, um, literary styles that are found in the Bible. Um, there's a number of them. Why don't we go around in a in a circle and share how many you found in your own research and what the, are the ones that you found? Yeah, Paula, why don't you start it off? <clears throat> There's only one, and it is the word of God. The word of God. The <laughs> Jehovah starts with an I. <laughs> Always goes back to Indian. Dr. Jones. Uh, I read your Bible more. <laughs> <laughs> it's not what your pastor said. Junior. Junior. You left. Junior. You were becoming interesting. <laughs> pen is mightier than the sword. <laughs> uh, anyways, let me count because I have them all listed. Four, Four five, five, six, six seven, eight. Uh, okay, so <clears throat> I came up with nine, but after oh. listing them down, some are sub, some are main, and that that's the thing that Andrew and I were just discussing. I don't think there is. It's not gospel, as you would say, like, hey, there's this many, there's that many, but you can find a bunch of different a different style or a different genre as you go through each book you know mm-hmm. jesus is going to be biographical but at the same time there's a parable within it and so you're, you're going to find a bunch of different but yeah i have i have nine on my list cool what are the nine that you have if you don't mind listening oh historical narrative law wisdom literature poetry and song prophecy slash apocalyptic biography gospel Letters and parable. Oh, and genealogical. That's the one I got that Andrew didn't have. Mm. He forgot about the Old Testament. <laughs> genealogical? So like but, just the yeah. genealogies? The genies. The genies. Yeah. <laughs> the logic of the genies. Yeah. Yeah, because it makes up a quite a big chunk of the Bible, and it's there for a reason. Cool. Yeah, you're absolutely right. All right, Andrew, go ahead. How many did you find, and what are the ones that you found? I found 27. Um, <laughs> Are you for real? You guys didn't find that many? No, I found eight. I'm just kidding. I found eight. The one that I didn't, I didn't, um, I had the same ones as Hollow, but the one that I didn't have was the genealogies. 
Because I feel like that's part of historical narrative. Ooh. And it's, fire. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually building. Did you guys know that the Pentateuch is actually one book? It's five books in one. It's it's actually one volume. And it actually all builds on itself. It's pretty fascinating if you ever mm-hmm. spend time. But um yes, I only found I found eight that I agreed with. But uh, of course, each one has a sub. That's you know, the, the thing. There's subs within it. But I think eight main. Right on, right on. Um, I found uh, I did a lot of research too, and like, I kind of after like kind of gathering from, you know, um, different sources and all, I kind of found six. Oh. But within some of them are subgenres. Like the first one, I put narrative, and like that would include historical biography and autobiography narrative would include like gospels and parables um i found poetry which includes like drama uh wisdom literature is one prophecy is another uh epistles and number six apocalyptic literature right and epistles is a fancy word for letters right yes a fancy word for letters sorry letters Mm -hmm. no it's okay you're doing great. Sweet. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> yeah. No, but I mean, there's tons of different styles of writing, you know, and uh, I mean, it was kind of a little part of the segment we we did today of the different styles of writing, and we find those different styles in the Bible, even in the Bible as it was uh, as it was written. And I what what I kind of did also too is I found six, but I really wanted to kind of like sum them into like three and all of those kind of fall under those three if you got if you guys are okay with that and the three kind of main genres that i wanted us to focus on and i feel like kind of make up a the main section of of uh, make make up the the main storyline of the bible are narratives uh epistles would which would be like the right like you said letters speeches that are given and poetry uh those three mm. And um, so I thought maybe we can kind of go through each one of those and maybe help our listeners kind of see some examples of what these look like in the Bible. Talk about them a little bit. Maybe talk about how to read these genres, right? Because when you read a genre, you you have to come at it with a certain expectation, right? I, I don't read a science fiction book thinking that it's a nonfiction historical narrative of how aliens are attacking the world, you know, like, like Georgie Wells book on war of the worlds i don't know if you heard that did you guys hear that story about that about how he like they like read his book over the radio back in the day and like people people went crazy thinking it was real but it was fiction they had like a dramatic (laughs) retelling over the radio on it that's terrifying so yeah so it, it matters knowing what genre you're you're reading it matters and so uh maybe we can break down those three and kind of talk a little bit about them and maybe you guys can, even the ones that you found, see kind of where they fit in um, each of these three. Examples of, of biblical genres. So each each book of the Bible, you're, you're going to find a main genre in, in each book of the Bible, but within every book of the Bible, there's a blend of, of multiple genres. One book is not just going to be simply 
narrative. One book is not just going to be simply poetic or simply prophetic. You're going to find a lot of of blends of genres throughout each book of the Bible. And um, so like the first one, looking at narrative here, well, I, I, I can pose this question to you guys. Why would you, because this is a really beautiful thing when you think about how God is in the Bible, God is displaying his character. God is displaying his story. God is dis, is is expressing his, uh, his nature and communicating with his people, desires to communicate with his people through literary styles of writing. Like he, talk about condensation, talk about in the sense of like God with us, him con, uh, condense, is that right? Condensating? Con- condescending. Condescending, <laughs> not condensating, he's not sweating. <laughs> take that back. It's not a tall glass of water, okay? Um, God is, is bending low to us, to speak to us, and he, and he speaks to us through ways in which we understand as a people. And one of the ways that we understand and, and retell information is through stories, is through narratives, right? Mm. Who yeah. doesn't love a good story? I, I love them. <laughs> I love a good story. I think in some ways we've lost the ability to tell good stories. Absolutely. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, it takes attention span to hear a good story. So, yeah. Sto- stories are great, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think stories, I mean, I wrote down in a very simple way. I mean, it, it tells it as it happened. It has the good, the bad, the ugly. It's mm-hmm. got it all in there where it's not it's not this fiction where you just pull out the good parts and like, oh, this romance, it's only the fun part. It's like a narrative tells exactly what happened. There's no escaping the facts. And so when you read something like the life of David, you know, and you're like, oh, David, you know, you could romanticize that and change the whole story and just point out all the peaks in his life. But the narrative is, oh, dude, this guy messed up too. Yeah. And so it, it brings out the whole story the and truth. the truth. That is, that is one of the beauties of the Bible is it paints its heroes with exactly who they are. It doesn't, it doesn't leave out the bad parts and only present the good. Mm. And I think that's one of the, the, one of the, the things that makes it authentic as true is it doesn't leave out those details of the fall of their heroes and things like that, which, which most, you know, literary styles, they would do that. They would only give you the good, the the hero stuff, and leave out the bad. But the Jewish writers and, and things like that didn't do that. They mm-hmm. gave the full story, baby. Mm-hmm. Warts and all, as they may say. Yeah. <laughs> all of it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What would you guys, if you guys had to, like, lay out a formula for a good story, what, what would that formula include? Mm, beginning, middle, end. <laughs> Middle Earth. (laughs) Elves, dwarves, and men alike. (laughs) No, I mean, but one thing that you do find in every good story, you find a main character, right? Um, Oh, yeah. You find a, uh, this main character has this desired end. But in between him and that end point, there is what? A trial. Mm. There is something he must overcome to get to that end point or even within himself. You know, good stories do have faults and they have redemption in them, right? 
Um, and, and I, I mean, it's part of the reason, you know, not to go off on a tangent, but why the gospel is so powerful. It's the greatest story ever told. And if you look at every great movie, every great Marvel movie or hero movie or anything like that, they basically retell the formula of the gospel of a hero that has come and that, what, sacrifices himself for the greater good. Mm. And, I mean, you tell me, like, you look at great movies, great stories that are told, and so many of them <laughs> are just copying the greatest story ever told through Jesus Christ. And so narratives are cool. Narratives are a lot of fun. Um, they're a lot of fun to read. Sometimes, like you said, Hall, that y- you read a narrative, and it tells us a deeper spiritual meaning in it. We find a, a, a spiritual meaning in it. But at the same time, sometimes uh, narratives don't necessarily have any spiritual meaning. They're just, in, at least in the Bible, they're just given to explain, like, the history of God's people. Like, that's where I would include genealogies, Sad. Mm. Yeah. To, not to well, diss you. Yeah. <laughs> no. Diss away. Diss. <laughs> dad away, too. <laughs> diss and dad. But uh, when you look at it, 43% of the Bible is historical narrative. Wow. So it, the, the, I would it's say the main half. point... Yeah. yeah, the main point of the Bible is telling this story, and it's all building on itself. Mm. So Genesis is building yeah. up, and then Exodus builds on that story. Yeah. Same thing, you know, throughout the Pentateuch. It's building on itself towards something. You look at, um, like, the setting of everything after Esther. Everything after Esther in, in our canonized Bible fits inside of Esther, like, in, in between Genesis and Esther. So the entire history of the Bible, if you were to take everything after the book of Esther and bring it over into the setting is, is there in the front of those books. And then you have silence for 400 years. But, but the point of that is, is it's all telling the story of what is to come that it's all leading to this, this pinnacle of the coming of the Messiah, the Christ to come. So it, Every part of of this historical narrative is leading up to an event, something that's mm-hmm. coming. And so I think that's why there's so much detail in the story. That's why there are genealogies to valid you know, bring validity to part you know, certain parts of the story. And and so yeah, I think when you look at historical narrative and why the why that's being told is it's leading up to something very important. That was really good. That's true. And, and, and I think the helpful tool to understand how to read narrative, it's, it's like you always say, Andrew, it's context, right? Because mm-hmm. um, if you take anything, even in narratively, out of its context, it can be really difficult to understand what is going on. You know, you have to understand the who, what, where, when, why, hows, right? Of, yeah. of narratives. You know, and so even like, like as we look at the Bible in a whole, like who would you guys say is the main character of the Bible? Jesus. Jesus. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> great children. Jesus. Gather round, children. Absalom, Absalom. They love the books, <laughs> children. <laughs> no, but that, it's, it's true. Jesus, God, he's, he's the main subject. Um, and that might come as a shock to you, you know, don't Wait. read your Bible with you as the main subject of the Bible. Wait a second. So you're saying <laughs> I'm not the main point no. of the Bible. So <laughs> it's not about you. <laughs> <laughs> so like when I'm sitting there with You're my, not David. <laughs> with my oat milk latte, 
and I'm expecting flat white. Your oat milk, flat white. I'm expecting Cortado. to just feel the loving arms. Jesus, loving arms wrapped around me because it's about me. Oh, yeah. It's not about you. That's cool. God, thank you for telling me that because I've been confused. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> it, it, I think it's the central theme of the Bible is not you. It, it is God. Ah. It is It is about God. Oh, sure, we fit in the story of God because he's a good God, right? right? He's not just like this tyrannical, doesn't care about anybody else, just himself, and he doesn't love us. We do read about in Scripture that he does. He loved the world, that he gave his son. That's part of the greatest narrative story of all. So understanding that when we read narrative uh, so quickly, we can, you know, read narrative and, and say, oh, Jesus wrote, you know, or, or Moses wrote this, this story just for me in, you know, 2023 and what I'm dealing with, with my loss of my job, because nobody understands me. And that's just like David and I'm David. And you're like, no, <laughs> like you have to, it's important when we come to narrative to understand the context, who is the main subject? Who's the recipient? That's a good one. Most yeah. of the Bible was not written for you. It was written right. for a, you know, if you look at the Old Testament, it was written for the Israelites. Yes. It was first written reader. for the retelling of their history of, right. of, of, of God's story of redemption, you know, and, and so understanding things like that, that will help you a lot in understanding narratives uh, because... And but it's, not, it's not wrong to apply. I think what, what you're explaining or what you're saying is that genre and audience help us to come to a right interpretation first. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and from interpretation, then application can be can be, you know, personal or congregational or whatever. But genre and audience, understanding first reader, how they're receiving it first, um, that we're a guest coming to the story, right? Yeah. Um mm. helps can us you to say come that again? to we're a get, I forget what I said for guest <laughs> coming to the story, but yeah. as you know, that helps us to come to right interpretation first Yeah, and, and interpretation has to precede application because if you're not interpreting it correctly and coming to the right interpretation mm -hmm. of why this is here and what this is about, how we apply scripture can be off and it can be very, um, I don't know, just not, not a good idea. Suddenly yeah. you, you're missing the point mm -hmm. or it becomes very selfish and self-seeking rather than ex exalting the name of Jesus and transcending mm -hmm. past ourselves to God and seeing God yeah. and, and being in awe of God and bringing worship to God. So yeah. that, I think that's what you're, is that what you're saying? Yeah, no. Yeah, exactly. I mean, <clears throat> it, I mean, it reminds me that a good practice would be to find Find Jesus in the scriptures before you insert yourself anywhere. Mm. Find Christ in the scriptures. Because I'm reminded of the story of the road to Emmaus after Jesus rose from the grave, right? And there's those disciples that are leaving Jerusalem, and they're leaving depressed, and they're sorrowful. And Jesus so sweetly appears next to them as a stranger. They don't know who he is. And he starts conversing with them. He's so gentle and, and kind with him. And he says, why are you, why are you sorrowful? What, what are you discussing about? And, you know, they respond, don't you, where have you been? Don't you know what has been going on? We followed this guy. We thought he was the Messiah to reign and to rule over our nation, but they crucified him and he's been dead. And there's some women that have said that he, they saw him alive, but we, we don't know about that report. We're, you know, we're, and, 
And so Jesus begins to have this conversation with them. And, and it's so sweet because it says that, um, that in that story, it says that Jesus, beginning with Moses and the prophets, he began to explain to them how the Messiah was meant to suffer, was meant to die. And he, he began to show himself in all of Scripture, all of the Old Testament to them. Right, and then he, and, you know, the story goes on. They invite him into the house. He breaks bread, blesses it. Then their eyes are open. They realize it was Jesus, and then Jesus vanishes. But um, I think that's a good hermeneutical way of studying the Bible. Is is before you insert yourself there, before you sit down and say, "God, what's my daily bread? What's my daily this? My that? My me, me, me?" Like find Christ in in the scriptures because He's there. He's there. Be a, uh, be amazed and adorn the Lamb and the Lion of the tribe of Judah. Adorn Him first. Mm-hmm. Find Him. Not that you're not in the story. Not that these truths don't apply to you directly. But the correct interpretation, like you're saying, Andrew, is through that. And and so, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's the beauty of narrative. You know, you read the book, you you hear the story as a whole, and then you can glean from these things. It's like. You know, I'm not Frodo <laughs> when I read. You did dress like him. I was Sam. I was oh, Sam. Sorry. That's, what, that's what I was getting at. No, but like, you know, it's, you, don't, you don't read a historical document like, am I Abraham Lincoln? <laughs> yeah. You know? He's just like me. <laughs> it's like, okay, there's, there's things we could learn. There's principles and we could apply these things. But yeah, it, who's the story about? You know, you don't leave like, dude, just read Lord of the Rings, man, and that book just hit me. That that <laughs> book was written for me. It's like, okay, I don't know if that's a stretch. And, you know, I, I the Bible was written for us in that sense. But at the same time, yeah, I think the first thing we have to do, like this whole conversation is going, is find Jesus. I love that you said that because that's what I was thinking is just, this is the story about Jesus. And so many times we find all these shirts and things and we apply it to ourselves and it's, it, the Bible has become, it's left this narrative and it's become this little self-help book. Mm. And wow. which that, that's not what it is. Yes. It's got a lot of help. Yeah. <laughs> right? Because if you're always the hero of the story, you're, you're, not, you're not seeing yourself for who you really are. Mm. You, you don't need you saving. Can't, you can't always be the hero of the story. Right. If you're always David, you're missing the Saul-like things that are in all of us amen you know sometimes you're Saul so if you're like oh you got to silence the haters at what point are you the hater like Mm. sometimes that's you so we're these characters are developed in order for us to see ourselves in them not just the heroes but also the villains sometimes amen amen wow so good so good I think Andrew you put it really well and I had to repeat it but I'm gonna say it one more time remember that we're invited into the story as a guest yeah. As, as a guest, um, you know, and, and, and to interpret it that way. And so that's narratives. Um, just to kind of cap that one off, guys, what are, what are some um, narrative books that we find in the Bible? If you, if you uh, biography, autobiography, um, you know, what are, what are some narratives that we find in the Bible? Genesis. Oh, let's say it louder. Gen- Genesis. Genesis. Ah. <laughs> So would you say Genesis 6 is historical narrative? Ooh. Then. Let's go there. <laughs> no, we don't have time. We don't have time. We'll go there later. We, gotta, we have to save that for Samuel. Weird, Weirdtober. Kings. Yeah. yeah. First and Samuel, Kings, 
Exodus is narrative. Um, Chronicles. It's yeah. chronicling. Uh-huh. That's yeah. That's a Narnia. quick narrative, man. You go through First and Second Kings and First and Second Chronicles. You're going from like wicked king to wicked king to wicked king mm. to semi good king, semi good ki- wicked king, really wicked king. Like it's yeah. like each chapter is just like depressing. <laughs> well, isn't it too like it's the same story, but just like the abridgment. Mm. Like yeah. one highlights like the really bad stuff and then one highlights the really yeah. like the decent stuff. Yeah. Um but each each one is building on itself. Yeah. But what about Enoch. what about <laughs> did you say Enoch? Yeah. <laughs> whoa, whoa. <laughs> that's good. That's good. I like that. That's a good one. Sorry. That's good. No, no, don't apologize. I liked it. I liked it. <laughs> uh, what about what about autobiography? Are there any books in the Bible that are written as from an autobiography, from the person who's writing it, he's writing about his experience, their experience. Jo- Jonah? Jonah. Oh. Or is that well, a short story? It's the most famous short story in history. Did Jonah write the book of Jonah? I believe Jonah wrote Jonah. Did he not? I thought I, I, thought <laughs> I, remember, I, thought I remember reading that it was someone else. I, I thought I remember reading I think it was the whale. <laughs> actually a fish okay the language yeah, is it's fish. his diary it's his journal it's his journal it says the book of jonah is anonymous anonymous yeah we really don't have any idea who wrote it yeah so you're wrong andrew oh, don't you dare you. mislead our listeners how dare i i'm sorry it's early in the morning i wasn't well, okay many jewish and christian traditions identify jonah as the author however ah. authorship is not explicitly stated within the book. Okay, okay, let's That's go what there. my boy, who Mackie Boy, says. Who wrote Hebrews then? Who, okay. Who wrote that one? <laughs> let's, let's, let's Jesus. Jesus wrote that Jesus. one. Jesus. All right, so back up. No. Um, some other autobiographies that I think of uh, are like Nehemiah. Nehemiah's an autobiography, right? He's writing about his story of how helping oh. the Israelites um, come back and rebuild the wall, right? There's so many mm. times throughout this throughout the narrative that he's writing that he'll pause and he writes his prayer, Lord, remember this, remember my works, right? Well, didn't he write that book as a self-help book on how to be a great <laughs> leader? <laughs> <laughs> I thought that's what it was about. Yeah, you see, that's where you can kind of like, you, you stray too far into application, you miss the, you miss the main point. You miss Nehemiah the point is if not you don't look into leader. it. I lost it. <laughs> you just like you just like dissed like ninety nine percent of all Calvary pastors right now. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Now we're keeping Not even it. Just Calvary, just the, and just in Christendom. You, yeah, just, the, the American great. Church. That was great. Yeah, yeah was the American great. Church. Really, let's be real. Uh, yeah. But yeah, uh, Nehemiah is an autobiography. Acts also right is written by Luke, and he like halfway through he starts saying we. Um, when he went together, we, you know, he joins the story of Paul. You, you guys would you guys would throw gospels, yeah, in narratives. Yes, yes yeah, yeah, it is a narrative. It's my story. Would you say yep. the whole Bible is an autobiography from God? Oh, <laughs> it's his story. Well, let me. Oh, nice. <laughs> his story. It's over here. His story. Um, I would say Hebrews one, which says God, who in various times and in various ways spoke in times mm. past mm. in various ways. So I think God used genre as well. You Come know, on. so he's telling the story through human means. Like he allowed, you know, it's inspired by God. He inspired scripture, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's God breathed. Absolutely. We believe it's the authoritative 
word of God, but also the gifting and personality of the writer comes through when it comes to genre. Various that's times, good. various ways. You should have read that in the beginning. That's good. I got well, that we were, from we God We were questions. talking about it. <laughs> yeah, I think God inspired, but he let he let man have, you know, his, his not his way, like his creativity come through. Like David yeah. was a songwriter. So he said, hey, the best way I could explain what God has shown me is through song, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that you know, if you had asked David, hey, write, write a historical narrative, you'd probably been like, oh, dude, I'm a songwriter. Just give me my little harp and I can explain way better. Mm-hmm. In the same way, like, man, I, I can't you know, express my feelings for someone, but I can write a song about them. It's like mm-hmm. God, God allowed that natural way of speaking or, or storytelling to come into the personal view of that person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and even in the Psalms, you have prophetic messianic Psalms. Mm-hmm. So in this poetic, well, let's let's song. let's pause right there. Let's pause right there because remember we're we're on narrative. Let still. me finish we're, we're my thought. I want you to finish that thought. You're just jumping ahead. We just, we, we have to we have to get through the second two. Oh, save, save those thoughts. Those are good thoughts. Hour. Those are good thoughts. We're gonna get there. We're gonna get there. one just of general broad ones that I kind of listed were, were epistles epistles meaning letters or speeches that were given you know what, what are some examples of epistles that we that we see in the Bible letters speeches given first and second Timothy Romans the epistles of Paul <laughs> first second third John yeah, it's, it's, it's a majority of the New Testament right yeah majority, a majority of the New Testament is written letters from the apostles to the church, to the early church. Would you guys say that you could include the law in there as like letters, speeches given? Uh, When you say law, do you mean like, do you mean Leviticus? Yeah, like Old Testament law, yeah. Okay, like didactic. Yeah. Discourse is what you're yes, saying. Yes. Yep. Totally. Hmm. But th- do we define law as its own category, own genre? Yeah. Yes. So, well. But yeah, I, I guess you could subcategorize. Yeah, it. Sub, yeah. Subcategorize sure. it under under like this, under discourse, under like speeches. Hmm. Yeah. 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 Okay. They're teaching. Yeah. Uh, do this in order to to receive this and. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Which is kind of funny because you see the New Testament and there is New Testament, New Covenant law, right? Paul's saying, hey, love, the, you know, or Jesus would even say, hey, love your neighbors yourself, like in that sense. Or he, Paul would write and would say, hey, give thanks in all, in all situations. Pray without seeking. Right? He's giving these theological statements. You know, for the interesting thing about epistles, about letters, speeches, this discourse we're talking about, this genre, the meaning usually isn't really hidden in these, right? The meaning's right. pretty surface. It's pretty black and white. You know, it's like... Right. Um, I'm writing to you to tell you this is why I'm writing, right? Yeah, like First Corinthians, yeah. right? Stop right. sleeping with your mother-in-law. Like... Yes, that's that, a big deal. <laughs> like that's just, I'm not even going to... I'm not going to create a <laughs> poem about it. 
I'm not going <laughs> to tell you a little story about a sheep and this, and there's a camel, yeah. and then I'm just going to tell you straight up, stop sinning, right? Or stop James. Doing yeah. The yeah. epistle of James, you know, same thing. He does, You don't really have to guess what James is writing about or why. Yeah, I, you know, I, I mean, obviously there's a lot of sub, the, a lot of these kind of cross and blend within one another, but I would even say that prophecy falls in under this as well, under discourse, in the sense of that they were given the message of God to speak to people, you know, mm-hmm. um, prophets often expose sinful practices in people, right? Just like Paul would yeah. to churches, um, prophets would warn of coming judgment on people. Just like we see in the New Testament, Paul saying, hey, if you keep doing that, you're, you're going to destroy your life. You're going to um, harm the name of Christ. Um, they prophets called for people to return to them, they to return back to God, urging repentance. You know, we see that a lot even, too, in epistles in the New Testament. And uh, prophets also, too, they expressed hope for a brighter future, right? They would, they would, they would speak of a... Um, of, of, of not just the foretelling of, of, of God, but the foretelling of, of that there is a coming kingdom that is, you know, and, and um, that is coming, that Christ will come and the Messiah will reign. And, and I think we see that even too in the epistles as Paul writes, like especially in First and Second Thessalonians, um, so much about Christ coming again and his, uh, his, his future reign, his kingdom. And so um, I, I would... I mean, prophecy has it. Prophecy, obviously, there's narrative in it, and and sure, there is poetry in it as well. But I would say a big part of prophecy is discourse, is is exposing sin, warning, calling people to repentance, and uh, and things of that. Right. Right. Andrew fell asleep. No, I'm. (laughs) (laughs) What are so? What What are some examples? uh, Would you say in the Old Testament of this? Of discourse uh, other than the obvious <laughs> maybe it's is it, is it a... law <laughs> yeah <laughs> or maybe let me, let me let me ask this question to you guys because uh, we did this for narrative uh how do you approach reading these do you approach it differently than narrative it depends on where you're finding it so are you are you in the new testament or are you in the old mm-hmm. i think old testament law the in the detail of it and all that stuff sometimes can get a little arduous and like do I really need to know where the liver and fatty lobe goes in the <laughs> sacrificing of God? But you have to, again, remember like why, why this is. God is a holy God. That's the emphasis, right? Mm-hmm. God is a holy God. So when we approach him, we approach him based on his terms and the way that he, he is describing because God is holy. And, and I can't just come any way I want. Like, that's that story goes reaches all the way back to Cain and Abel. You cannot come to God, a holy God, a righteous God, in any way you desire, but according to His way, because He's the author of life and and He's holy, and we are sinful. So, I think if you're reading Old Testament law, keeping that in mind of God's order, of God's holiness, of God's, you know, uh, the sin, you know, the the depravity of man, and and how how much blood had to be shed for our sins. And then when you come to the new Testament, there's it's in response now to the ultimate sacrifice and blood that was spilled for us mm. in Christ. And so it's in response to that love. It's in, it's in response to God's gift of salvation that we are to now live or walk worthy as Peter would say 
um, or Paul would say, excuse me, Peter, Paul, you know, those guys, um, Paul would say to walk worthy of the call of God that we've been, that we've been given. So I would say when you read these discourse life, you know, kind of life decision, things that we're supposed to do, it's in light of the ultimate sacrifice, right? That, that was given for us. So So finding this is why again, yeah. Finding Jesus again. Yeah. Right on. Mm Mm-hmm. Good job. Sweet. So don't put yourself in the book of Leviticus. Leviticus. <laughs> as the main. I am the yes. lamb. I am yeah. the cow. I am the scapegoat. Yeah, you're, yeah, exactly. You're not always going to feel the the great love of God in Leviticus. You mm. you can for sure. But the purpose of it, it literally means for the Levites is what Leviticus means. Wow. And even that has a cool literary style. Where it's written it as a chiasm. Chiasm. Mm. It's chiasm? pretty cool. Yeah, it's written artistically um, on purpose. It says one thing, and then it says the same thing, but backwards. So it, it begins and ends with the same idea. Yeah. The on purpose. The chiasm was That's far cool. too wide. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Uh, but that was really good, Andrew. Uh, that's that's good. No, it wasn't. It it's was because it's finding Jesus in it. That's what it is. It's like this is there, there is a lot of same <laughs> rules that apply to reading reading it. It's a little bit easier because the meaning is on the surface, right? You don't have to mm-hmm. dig super deep, but there is digging that that will help you find a richer meaning to just the surface meaning, like yeah. studying the context of of these. You know why why was Paul writing like, hey, don't eat meat sacrificed to idols. You know, right. that's in an epistle, but what's the context of that? What was going on in, in, in Corinth during that time? Why was that a struggle for certain Christians and, and not? And so, yeah, so I, I see what you're saying there. Last one though is poetry, and this one I would I would I would kind of include all the all the genres in here. The sub genres would be like drama. Uh, we'd find like psalms, like songs, there. Uh, Song of Solomon I would throw in there too. Wisdom mm-hmm. literature we find in here, which is a lot of fun. Uh, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Job, mm-hmm. and um, and also apocalyptic literature Ooh. I would include in poetry as well. Which oh. is, um, which is li- like it's like prophecy, right? Apocalyptic, like prophecy, um, but it uses a lot more symbolic language and visions, specific numbers, and prophecies that are. Um, in order to understand them, you you gotta there. It, it helps to understand where the similar expressions are used in preceding scriptures, right? Like you see that yeah. in in Revelation a lot. There's a lot of Daniel imagery there. And like apocalyptic literature is like you'll see it in Revelation and Daniel and Ezekiel and Zechariah, these grand visions and and elaborate um, symbolisms and all and all and all this that he that he sees and and pictures and and all and um, without going too deep into that one, unless you guys want to spend a little time going deep into that one, is there anything that you want to say in in on the genre of just poetry in general and how to read poetry? Because poetry is different than narrative, right? It, it yeah. uses images. It evokes 
imagination from us. It, it, it pulls our emotions to the surface, you know, rather than just telling you to stop doing something, it, 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 it uses metaphor. What are, what are some yeah. things you guys want to say about that? I think as you know, we're talking about Leviticus where you kind of read through and you're like, Oh gosh, like, where is this going? What is this for? I think that's the, the cool thing about the Bible is because of all the different genres is, is it changes so quick. Um, you know, you're reading the Psalms and one for me, I love the Psalms because I think the way they're written makes it easier to remember. Um, for someone like me, who's a mediocre musician, you know, you hear the Psalms and, and you have this, this story being told in a way that's just memorable. Um, I don't know. I, I that's all I have to say on that. I just yeah. think there are easy ways for God's word to be conveyed to us in a way that we can understand. But I think we have to be careful about like not over art scene some of the stuff that's said. Yeah. Be like, oh, this means this. It's yeah. like, oh, I don't think it means that. I think it means exactly what it says. Yeah. So there is a caution when reading poetry. You're saying, Holland. right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think the caution, or I think the safety net of poetry is audience and setting. So, context. who is this written? <laughs> yeah, yeah, context. Context. Well, no, just like Song of Solomon. Who's the audience? Me. Like, who is reading this? It's <laughs> me and my wife. It's me. <laughs> yeah. And who, um, and what's the setting of this? When, when is this happening? And, or, or Psalm, same thing. When you put it into the life of David, yeah. um, you put it in the setting of first and second Samuel, suddenly yeah. you realize like, oh, okay, this is kind of what was going on and, and what was happening. So I think setting and, and, and to not to under spiritualize or under appreciate it, like Hollow was saying, like, I think my tendency is to go the other way. Of like, no, 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 let's calm down. Like, <laughs> but then too, let's, let's be reminded that these, this is a spiritual book. This mm-hmm. is a holy book. It's a supernatural book. And so, uh, but yeah, I think the safety net of poetry is uh, first reader audience. Um, and, and the, the, uh, what was the word? Setting it's written in. Yeah. Uh, will help us. Yeah, if, if you're reading the Psalms, horn of horn of my salvation, like in the 21st century, you're not going to know what that means, right? Unless you knew right. what what was the symbol of why was why was a horn viewed as a a symbol of victory and strength, um, right? And and you know things like that. Um, Suddenly, you got everyone blowing shofars at church all the time, and it's <laughs> Come like, on, dude, shofar show good, shofar, <laughs> keep it going. Uh, you know, it's like, well. Easy fella. You know, there, there, there is a lot of caution here of not inserting yourself and because poetry, it, poetry probably takes the, um, some of the most digging to understand. Mm-hmm. Cause I think like when you look at wisdom literature, for example, like Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Job, it can be easy to, to see wisdom literature as like, like a proverb, like a proverb is not necessarily a promise. Proverbs are written in the sense of, Hey, this is the skill of living, right? Andrew, we went through it at, yeah. at Refuge Young Adults. Um, we did a series on it. It's, it's, Hey, this, this is the wisdom for living well. It's not yeah. always going to come out that way, but this is, this provides the most success more often than not, you know? And, mm. and you know, like you, you see that proverb that says, you know, train a child up in the way that he shall go. And when he's old, he won't depart for it. Like as sweet as a, as a, as a verse that is, that is not necessarily a, a promise. 
because um, there right. are people that have raised their kids up in the Lord and in, in church, and they never did return back to the Lord. Right. They walked They're away. principles. And so yeah. what do you say? Is God's word wrong because of that? No. The, understanding genre, you have to understand that, especially with poetry, that, you know, for like wisdom literature, that their principles. Yeah, exactly. Like you said, Andrew, like you, the best success is found. And yeah, you should disciple your kid. You should train your kids. So they remember these things when they're, when they're older, yeah. you know, Ecclesiastes kind of comes in as like the, the cynic, the, you know, on top of Proverbs that says, Hey, yeah, you could do those things. But you know, like Ecclesiastes says, the race isn't always given to the swift though, you know, or, <laughs> you know, or, or you can gain all this wealth, but you're going to lose it once you die. And it's going to go to your children who didn't work anything to get it well with ecclesiastes too i think that this is where it's the book that is most criticized Mm -hmm. next to genesis so by critics who are saying the bible contradicts itself the most the most quotes are from ecclesiastes because it's almost like he says the opposite of what scripture says yeah and it's not but if you understand the genre of it and you understand who this guy is the author and why he's writing the way he's writing you're realizing this guy is writing from the standpoint of saying, I'm going to find the meaning of life without God in the equation. Yeah. If I put God out, here's what I find. I find that it's empty. There's nothing. It's mm-hmm. vanity. So that, that alone, I think for our, our listeners, like understanding those things will help us to better interpret it yeah. and get us to the right place. Especially when it's like, this is a wisdom literature. It's telling me to get drunk. Yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> telling me to like drink myself under the table. Yeah. So anyway. Yeah. I mean, I think that even applies to Job, you know, Job, the story being kind of like a drama of suffering. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I mean, some of those poetic language that's even used from Job's friends. Like you wouldn't quote those scriptures as like, yeah, because they're like, they're like, yeah, God doesn't see you because this and that, or God is, you know, or even like Job's wife, like just curse God and die, you know, like these, <laughs> it's like, well, you know, so you, you, understanding genre helps out a lot, especially, you know, in, in wisdom literature. And, um, you know, I, I mean, we, we could spend a lot, we could spend a whole episode really on apocalyptic literature I think oh, yeah. too, um, because there's a lot that's in it. There's a lot that's in it. I'll say this with apocalyptic literature, which is like revelation, Daniel, Ezekiel, Zechariah with, with, with its prophetic messages, but also with symbolic language visions, um, specific numbers, right. I was kind of saying in the beginning, it, it, a lot of it is understood by finding where we see those similar expressions earlier in scripture. And because of that, we have to use great caution and humility when we read and we study and interpret apocalyptic literature and look for those those big themes and and not allow interpretation of details to divide uh, the church because if there's a book that <laughs> so many people divide over um, it's revelation in the church at least what you know and so yeah if you didn't know that there's different pe- well-meaning loving christians that love jesus that probably believe something different about the book of revelation than you do Huh. And uh, you're probably going to see them in heaven, too. <laughs> <laughs> will and I so, see them before the tribulation? Yeah, well. <laughs> Depends if the mark, the barcode is upon the forehead. 
Am I? Are we in the kingdom now? Yeah, that, that's another. That's another topic. But that's why anyway. I didn't want to get too much into that one. Oh, but sorry. That one Next does. Time. You you do need to understand when reading these things. You cannot. Um, while there is narrative in re- like Revelation, there is narrative that's in there, right? Because John is on the island, and he's explaining what is happening. He mm. sees a vision. And he's like, there is a, a sense of narrative that's in there, but also with great imagery and great um, vision and and stuff. And so I, I, I just think with those specifically apocalyptic literature, just hum- humility and, and caution when, when interpreting these things and not dividing so harshly with other believers over the interpretation of it. Because, I, I, mean, yeah. I mean, if I'm being honest, there's people even at my church that I attend right now that believe different than what I believe mm-hmm. on Revelation and what most people believe. Most people I grew up believing on Revelation. And I'm thinking specifically of this one dude, and I love this guy, and he is such a Jesus-loving dude and, like, has so much wisdom, knows the Bible, went to seminary school. Like, this guy is a selfless, like, when I he's one of those dudes that I leave hanging out with him wanting to be more like Christ. Like, this guy loves Christ, but he just believes something differently. And so, yeah, just use humility and caution with that, with it, with reading and interpreting that one. Okay, is that? I try yeah. to condense that one out. Is that all right? As much as depends on you, live peaceably with one another. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it's good. Yeah. So, just to kind of close it out, you know, we it, obviously it's 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 important. We we kind of expressed it with each genre, but it's important to understand what you're reading because it matters when you study the Bible. You can't just read the Bible flat and and everything is poetry. And so it's all symbolic. You can't just read it all as narrative Mm. and take it. The Lord is my shepherd. That means he actually is a shepherd and I actually am an animal. I'm a sheep. It's like, (laughs) no, you you, got to learn what genre you're in, um, in in the books of the Bible. And that'll bring out the deeper meaning in that. I mean, the Bible is 66 books written in three different languages by 40 different authors on three different continents over a span of roughly 2,000 years. Mm-hmm. So it's like, there's a lot of style and genre that mm-hmm. is in the yeah. Bible. Are, are there any resources maybe that you guys can kind of point people to maybe that are like, hey, I want to get deeper in this than a podcast. I want to go deeper in my my Bible study. Are there any books or people like teachings or pastors or some people that you could recommend that you can think of to help those that might want to go deeper on this subject? Uh, I'm reading a few books at the moment. Because I have to. Um, <laughs> one's called what? Basic You're Bible. reading books? <laughs> Andrew. I know. It's crazy. I'm so crazy. proud of you right now. It's weird. They're children's books, but I'm reading <laughs> They got uh, a lot of pictures. <laughs> it's, yeah, this one's called All My Friends Are Dead. And then, uh, <laughs> no, uh, it's called Basic Bible Interpretation by Walverd and Zuck. And um, it talks about gaps, uh, culture gaps, and all these things, and how we're to interpret the Bible. It's been a good book. I would just say start there because it is a it's larger. Yeah. Um, and I would say if you haven't taken like That's a, called, can you say that one more time? Because I'm gonna. Well, he's got it right here. Basic Bible interpretation: a practical do, uh, practical guide to discovering biblical truth by Roy B. Zuck. So it's very it's written in a way it's very um, it's pretty simple layman's terms yeah it's it's yeah the only way i could read it is because it's written very simple um but then there's also if you've never taken like an inductive bible study class 
I would recommend doing that. There's a lot of great tools. And are there any that you recommend? Um, I teach a class. No, I'm just kidding. Which is five ninety nine. There's a book called Living by the Book. That's that's good too. It helps us to learn how to observe and interpret and apply is the main thing. What was the, the name Oya. of the inductive Bible study class that you took? Oh, is oh, that available Jim, for people to take? Yeah, Jim Gallagher from Vero Beach, Florida. Oh yeah, Calvary Chapel of Vero Beach. He does a little class. It's four weeks. And it's fill in the blank, which is awesome. And it's on their app and it's called digging in. And it's uh, a four week thing you can do. It's, it's great. It was so helpful for myself and um, others that I've, I've recommended it to. So um, he basically has taken all these huge literary works like this book and a few others and condensed them into a, a four week class, which is, I mean, genius. So, yeah. so yeah, if you want to go a little deeper, this one and some other, there's tons, tons of books, but, um, this is the one I'm reading currently. Cool. Hollow. Do you have any that you want to, or any video resources or pastors or dude, I'm a Bible project guy because it's yeah. so simple. No, that's they have a great that's, one on this. That's yeah. always my go. We're we're reading the Bible in a year with the Bible Project, and it's like, it's crazy. As simple as it is, it's cartoons. Let's just be real. <laughs> <laughs> but there's stuff that I'm like, oh my gosh, this just seeing it clarifies it so much. I'm a very visual learner, and so yeah, I love the Bible Project. Yeah. I'm gonna be that. Well, dude, Tim Mackey is a brilliant linguist. He's only a doctor who yeah, speaks I mean, Hebrew. He's a brilliant guy. Mm -hmm. So they have so, a great yeah. app too. I, I've gone through right. a couple classes. They have free classes on their app, like studying through different books of the Bible, and um, they're, mm. they're super, super insightful. Yeah, That's and right. um, I would recommend. There's a book that I kind of have on hand whenever I study the Bible, whenever I'm, you know, whenever like even in my personal devotion time. Let's say I'm going to start a new book. Um, I have this book that's called How to Read the Bible, book by book, and it's written by Gordon Fee and Douglas cool. Stewart. And man, that book is so good. It, he pulls out historical context for you. He does. Um, he basically pulls out these like three, four page summaries of each book of the Bible, and it gives you context. It gives you authorship. It gives you main themes. It'll tell you this, you know, like I'm reading right now, I'm reading through the book of Mark in it. And like he was talking about how Mark uses the theme of like Jesus is bringing in the new exodus from sin, something I never even heard about. I'm like, dude, that's awesome. And how like, and it's really cool. And he, he kind of breaks it down. But that book is, is a huge help for me in my own studying. It's called, I'll say it again. It's called how to read the Bible book by book. By Gordon Fee, and and I'm writing all these down, and I'll list them in the show notes um, at the bottom of the podcast. So if you are interested in buying any of these or the website links for any of these, they'll be on this episode for you to kind of go deeper. Mm -hmm. Sweet, cool. All right, guys. Sweet. Well, hey, thanks for listening today to Lightning Rounds with us. That was a really great question, really uh, theological question. It's really fun on this podcast. We get funny questions, we get theological questions, we get strange questions, we get life questions. Um, so this podcast is, uh, I feel like it's a good blend. It's not, it's not like too much, you know, like when you eat too much, like of one thing Barbecue. and it's like, it's mm. you're like, I need to balance it out. 
Yeah. yeah. You know, I had too many Kalamata olives, olives the other night on my <laughs> kava, <laughs> and I thought it was a good thing, and I was like, oh, too much. It's too much. Yeah. 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 So I think it's it's fun. This podcast is fun. So we get to go through a lot of stuff. Um, in that this one was just a little bit more theological, and and that's fun too. And I I hope this blesses you, for you guys. Hey, if you want to review this, rate it on our podcast. That would be fun too. Maybe we'll start reading our reviews on here. So Ooh, if you read them on shout out. Yeah, go ahead. If you made it this far, comment Spartacus <laughs> on our next post. <laughs> and can I give a quick shout out? I need yeah, to we're give gonna a give some shout outs. We have some shout outs due. So first off, Zane and Elena, some listeners out in Washington, originally from the great state of Kentucky, maybe Georgia. They're from some state out that way. But anyway, Zane, Elena, thanks for listening. You guys rock. Keep doing what you're doing. Love Jesus. Love each other. They're newlyweds. Mm, Congratulations. Congratulations. That's that's my shout. And my wife, Elena. I have a a message for Zane, though. I have a message for Zane. Give it to him. Hey, we would love to record a live episode up in Washington. And maybe on the side, go on a little Squatch Hunt, Sasquatch Hunt. So um, if you can hook that up or just lead us in the right direction. Lead us by still waters, (laughs) quiet streams. Be a good shepherd. (laughs) A shepherd of the forest, Sasquatch. (laughs) Bigfoot. And it's my, my second shout out. It's my wife's birthday when this podcast comes out. So happy birthday, Grace. Happy birthday, Grace. Like a fine wine or a moocha kombucha. <laughs> yeah. She's getting finer with age. Yeah, I was going to shout birthday. her out too, man. I'm glad you did that. Thanks, man. It's, it's, Thanks. Yeah, happy birthday. So, uh, and then and some other other shout outs too on our Instagram. We said, hey, if you if you comment this and you read this or you guess this, you you get shout out. Grace also figured out what our um, soundbite was from last recording. Um, Grace and Tori Erickson did too. Good job, Tori. There's a Billy Madison movie. Yeah. So, <laughs> hey, we got an email from Cynthia Carey. And she said, televangelist Ernest Angley dies at the age of 90. She said, this was the guy that Jim Carrey was in, imitating. Oh, oh that I have nice. exercised the demon. Oh, oh, she sent us the real deal. No way. And then a shout out too to, to Hannah and Krista and Kyle. They just got married. They, both nice. those, those three people commented their favorite candy bar. <laughs> he sounds like I feel like I'm like at an elementary school giving announcements so like nobody listens to right now. Good job, fifth grade. Yeah. <laughs> You're completing your volcano. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, if you made it this far too, you know we have another soundbite. If you can figure this one out, this is this is maybe this will become a thing. I have another soundbite. If you can figure out what movie this is from then um get that shout out you'll get that shout out <laughs> you'll get that shout out okay let me see where is this okay if you can figure out this sound bite then you're gonna get a shout out you're stealing right to jail you're playing music too loud right to jail right away you're driving too fast jail slow jail you're charging too high prices for uh, sweaters glasses you write to jail. You undercook fish, believe it or not, jail. You overcook chicken, also jail. Undercook, overcook. You make an appointment with a dentist and you don't show up, believe it or not, jail, right away. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, if you can figure that out, that'd be fun. That'd be cool. Um, but we love you guys. Reach out to us if you want to send us a question on Instagram at lightning rounds or sorry at lightning.rounds.podcast. This next month, be on the lookout. We're going to get into a weird month of October. We're going to talk about some pretty weird stuff. So, October. Weird October. I like it. This could be fun. This could be fun. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. This is Zach signing out. Farewell. Hey,